What is the Epskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We're on episode 83, Aless Hemschke. Come on now, who remembers that guy? That guy was pretty tight, played for the Oilers for a long time. Of my little hockey show, where once a week I go through all of the major news and the happenings in the NHL, mainly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames, because that's my favorite teams, but I can talk about any of the 32 teams in this league. So what are we talking about this week? Well, the Toronto Maple Leafs are on a little bit of a skid. The Calgary Flames, though, they're, they're kind of heating up a little bit. What is going on with the injuries that are just piling up like crazy in Vegas? Numerous, fr- we got a franchise record in Edmonton. We got other records being broken around the league right now. And some pretty interesting names are on the trade block at this time. So let's dive into it. Let's start off with some Calgary Flames talk. So ever since that extremely embarrassing no excuse loss to the Chicago Blackhawks where they had no Connor Bedard, they had like an almost a borderline ECHL team on the ice and the Calgary Flames got absolutely dummied by them. So since that embarrassing loss has taken place, the Flames have won four in a row. So uh, the, the the idea of the Flames possibly getting back into a playoff spot has kind of creeped up into the conversation yet again. Um, personally, I'm still of the belief that the Flames should... I mean, if they make it, great. That's great. But if that means re-signing Lindholm, re-signing Hannafin, and you know, doubling down on what I think is honestly kind of a mid-team... I don't know if it's going to work out in the long run. Like, if you want to sign Lindholm to the $9.5 million that he's seeking, I think that's going to age very poorly. He has not been a $9 million center for a couple seasons now. Like, he's he's a good center. Like, I I think the idea of him becoming the second-line center on a Colorado or something is a beautiful fit for him. That is the kind of trade that can win you a Stanley Cup, I think. But... If the Flames want to keep them and they like what they're seeing right now, I mean, I don't know. If, if that's what they're going to do, I'm, I'm still with the belief I've had this the whole entire season that they should sell off the assets and it would be a mistake to re-sign guys like Hannafin and all that. Hannafin, I could be convinced it would depend on the cap hit, but Lindholm wanting $9 million, it's, it's just not a good idea. I really like Lindholm. I think he's a great player, but that amount of money it's go- it's going to age like milk it's going to be you know not huberto levels of disaster because there's no more disastrous contract in the league at this time than the huberto one but man you already got some really 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 risky contracts on this team kadri hasn't been bad yet but there's still so many more years on that deal and he is not young so yeah i mean i know everyone's really excited like Again, uh, Sharon Govich, man, this guy, I was, I talked about him when they traded for, wait, traded away to Foley, brought in Sharon Govich. Everyone was shitting on Sharon Govich. I was like, I was high on this guy. I thought he can come in, be a 20, 24, 25 goal kind of player with a new opportunity. He would get more ice time and look at him go right now, man. This guy has been one of the hottest players over the last like month or so. He just had a hat trick. He scored the game winner the other night. And he's playing big minutes. It's impressive, man. He and Blake Coleman have been tearing it up. Like it's it's kind of uh negated. Well, not necessarily, but it's it's helping ease, I think, a little bit of pressure off of Huberto, who's who did pick it up a little bit this past week, which was great. I even picked him up in fantasy because I thought, hey, this guy, he scored 115 points in this league. There's talent in there. He's just got to find it again. And maybe he was, and then he got sick, so he didn't play in the last game. So hopefully uh, that doesn't ruin his little kind of nice streak that he had going there. He's putting up some fucking points, which was really nice. Kadri's been having a nice season. And then Jacob Markstrom. A lot of talk around Jacob Markstrom again. The guy's having a really good season, uh, underratedly good season. You know, I know the the wins aren't necessarily there, but he is still the leader, I do believe, in goals saved above expected. So he's doing his job very, very well. Again, if he did this last season, I think the Flames make the playoffs easily because last year, goaltending was a huge issue. And Markstrom's 
doing great this year. It's just kind of everything else with the team is kind of lacking, but it is coming up. It is coming up, which is great. I'm just happy that the younger players that came in this season, the new guy, Sharon Govich, and even newerish guys like Blake Coleman who didn't have a good start with the Flames he has been sensational this season he's been excellent so there's definitely some good things here but I I'm not seeing like Lindholm and even necessarily Hannafin have been like huge benefactors to this team like I know uh, you trade away Lindholm the Flames get worse if you trade away Hannafin the Flames are going to get worse uh there is the nice thing that uh, Oliver Shillington, he has, uh, he, I believe he has played a game now with the Hitman, so he is due to be coming back up into the Flames organization really, really soon. I'm excited to see, you know, I'm just, I don't really have high expectations. I'm just excited to see him back playing hockey again because he's been gone for so long. There's been like no coverage about it. I have no idea what, what has been going on with him. I'm just glad he's back. So that's awesome that Oliver Shillington, but Again, I ask y'all, uh, Flames fans out there, what do you think? Like, is it is it a good idea right now? Like, they're on the cusp of of becoming a playoff team, but like, it. I don't. Th- I think the like. I know they have a pretty decent looking schedule as well, uh, coming down the the second half of the season. So we'll look at this wild card spot right now. Let's see where they're at. They're just on the outside looking in. They're just outside the second wild card spot, behind Nashville. Two points behind Nashville. Calgary has 47 points. Nashville is 49. The Edmonton Oilers also have 49, but I think it's safe to say that Edmonton's on a little bit of a different planet right now. We'll spend a little bit of time with them a little later. So uh, they're off and running. The Los Angeles Kings have been struggling mightily, and Vegas has been struggling a little bit. So we'll talk about Vegas as well in a little bit. But we talked about Los Angeles last week, and they're, they're still not doing a whole lot better. They're still struggling. It looks like Edmonton is going to be passing them any moment any moment now. They're only one point behind Los Angeles, and Edmonton just won't lose right now. So a very strong case um, for Edmonton to pass Los Angeles. But how much further is Los Angeles going to fall? Like, they had this great start. It's really falling apart at the seams right now. Are they going to fall down hard enough that Calgary could pass them? But there's other hot teams around them too. Like Seattle just came off of their huge winning streak. They've lost two in a row now. So they could be coming back down to earth. Nashville's been playing very good hockey for quite a bit now. Uh, A lot of people are convinced that they're going to the playoffs as well. So... Honestly, I think that Nashville is probably a stronger team than Calgary unless fucking Huberto finds his game. Huberto has to find his game. If he doesn't find it, there, there's really, I just don't think it's, regardless, even if Huberto gets it going, I don't, I don't like the idea of re-signing Lindholm for that much money. And again, I, I need to hear what the number is for Han- for Hannafin. I haven't been hearing it all that much, so I don't really know what what kind of number he's looking for. I I, I would be more okay if you can keep if you only can keep one. I think I would be more keen to keep Hannafin because then you could trade off Tana. You're going to have to have some defenseman there, so I, I think maybe keep Hannafin, trade off Lindholm, and. Um, See what happens, because we all know that Colorado is going to have a lot of interest in Lindholm. Even Boston. Boston would probably have a lot of interest in a Lindholm. Colorado has assets to trade. They have they have first-rounders. They have some prospects there. Boston, not so much. So I, I think the trade partner should be Colorado, but hasn't happened yet. So we're still waiting with that. But right now, the Calgary Flames are starting to heat up. But... I just, I just, you know, I'm a Flames fan, but I just, I don't see it this year, honestly. I just think the, unless Los Angeles really collapses, but I think it's just them kind of balancing out a little bit after a really, really hot start, and, um... Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's still a little bit early. There's a lot more. We're still got a whole another half to go through. But uh, a lot of the insiders, they're kind of looking at Calgary as a team that could have an incredibly strong back half. So, I mean, I would love that. It's just, you know, I'm just trying to think about the long term here. So, we'll see. We'll see if the Flames make the playoffs to make the playoffs. Maybe they St. Louis us and they win the fucking Stanley Cup and we'll all be super happy. And and Huberto gets 38 points in his run to the Stanley Cup finals. And there you go. That would be great. But I don't think that is in the in the makings for right now. 
So no fancy transition, let's just go over to the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have not been having as good of a January as I was kind of hoping they were just going to kind of go off in January, February, play really good hockey, but um, kind of been trending in a bad direction right now. Now again, I'm not in that absolute panic, going fucking crazy like Steve Dangle has been in his LFRs, which admittedly is getting not only tired, but a little bit embarrassing because... Steve Dangle is the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs fan base, and I feel like he's kind of the reasoning why a lot of people think that Toronto fans are extremely uh, just annoying and we freak out about everything, but I get it with Steve Dangle. That's his job. That's his gimmick. That's what he does. He reacts to every single game as it happens right then and there. So he's going to explode when they have bad games and he's going to explode when they have good games. That's just what he does. He's a screamy, yelly guy. I don't love it, but it is what he does. So he's freaking out with the Toronto Maple Leafs, freaking out about just about everything. And like, I'm in the same boat because what I'm seeing out of the Toronto Maple Leafs this season is a not a good playoff team. And that's kind of been the trend for 13, 14 years or whatever it's been. It's been a long time. I just, I mean, yes, they have had unprecedented success in the regular season. That's awesome, especially after that long fucking playoff drought and and so many heart-crushing seasons. What, two years in a row where they missed the playoffs by one point, came down to the wire, like soul-crushing defeats, and then, of course, the soul-crushing defeats in the playoffs. So regular season success is nice. It's It's a nice thing to have. I mean, honestly, I think Leafs fans... As a whole, we have kind of taken the whole that whole uh, really strong regular season thing for granted. But again, you have to understand that because they haven't won shit in fucking 50 years or whatever. So I understand the buildup of, of anger and watching this team thinking that they're really good. That's what I think really gets Steve Dangle and a lot of fans really upset is that they think they're good. They think they're doing all this stuff right and they think they're going to win in the playoffs when the proof is in the pudding game after game after game where you just you look at this team you're like nah dog like it's just not there they win they put up points they're fun to watch at times they have these big fun crazy comebacks but they got they got they're in the same boat as like Columbus for regulation wins this season fucking not good enough uh, consistently can rarely put up a 60-minute effort. Uh, I think we maybe can count on one hand how many 60-minute efforts the Leafs have put up this season. They they rely very heavily on their superstars, which is exactly how they've built the team to be. I mean, there's there's really no other way that you can't have other amazing support players. We have a couple, like Bertuzzi and Domi, but, like, you know when you're paying 40-50% of your salary cap to five guys, it's a lot of it's going to go on them. And again, you see it happen time and time again in the playoffs. Unless you're Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl, teams can shut down one line fairly easily in the playoffs. They're generally very good teams that make it into the playoffs, and they generally have a shutdown defensive pair, which the Leafs have not had in 400 years. I mean, when is the last time the Leafs had a bonafide shutdown pairing defenseman? I can't think of even one. Brian Leach with someone? Like, I have no idea, man. Like, it feels like it's been Morgan Riley trying to find a defensive partner, and there's been no consistency with that. I mean, this year... Brody, okay, now I'm starting to see the Brody thing. Now I understand why everyone was like, oh, maybe they're going to buy this guy out. He's been struggling this year, man. He's been struggling out there. He's not a detriment to the team, but I don't think he should be top pairing with Morgan Riley maybe anymore. They have been putting Lilligren up there. And again, another big problem is they don't really have bona fide right-handed defensemen. Lilligren, I think, is the only true right-handed shot defenseman. You got Giordano, he's a left, but he plays the right. You got McCabe, he plays the right, but he's a left. And same with Brody, he's a left, plays the right. So it's, I mean, we all know that right-handed shot defensemen do not grow on trees. They're a very hot commodity. There's not very many of them, and no one's giving them up, really, right? So 
It's just kind of something that the Leafs had to deal with. It's kind of always been a revolving door of defensive partners for Morgan Riley. And Morgan Riley's never been the shutdown defenseman either. He's never been a shutdown defenseman. He's been great this year. Don't get me wrong. He's playing great, but he's always been more on the offensive side of things. He's, I would say, a 70-30 kind of guy. 70% offense, 30% defense. And that's why he needs a really good defensive guy to be with him to thrive the way that he wants to think of a Quinn Hughes when he had oh shit who was the guy that he had Luke Shen was it I don't know but Quinn Hughes had a great defensive partner um oh there's one there's others it doesn't really matter but you gotta have you gotta have that good mix and right now Morgan Riley is playing great and I think he can play even better if he can get a consistent defenseman to play with him and they keep trying the Connor Timmins thing, and and I like Connor Timmins. He puts up points. He's statistically satisfying my needs, but he's just an adventure defensively. He is, in fact, a liability. But I like the player. Like you could do so much worse uh, for a seventh, eighth defenseman. At least when he comes in, he's probably gonna put up a point. Uh, he may cause a goal, maybe two. We don't know. But it's uh, you got guys like Legison and Benoit who I think have been great are they're not shut down defensemen but I think they're really good pieces uh you know that they've added for cheap and yeah not bad and the other thing that's been going around this week is uh, obviously Sheldon Keefe in his very questionable coaching style uh, over the last couple games here where their Leafs are down by one goal in the final few minutes of the game and Sheldon Keefe is like fuck it I am sending out the big guns here goes David Kampf and fucking, uh, what's his name? Goddamn Matthew Nyes and stuff. like Matthew Nyes has been struggling lately. It's kind of, you know, expected with young players. This thing happens all the time. They, they go through their rough patches in the early years. They're new. They have never played a full NHL season before. It is a daunting task. And right now, Matthew Nyes is fighting it a little bit. I am almost certain... He will battle out of it, he will get onto the other side, and he will be a better player for it. But right now, he's struggling, and he's been on the fourth line a little bit, and yeah, people have been getting on to Sheldon Key for doing shit like that. Like, just boneheaded, brain-dead decisions, like, I'm gonna throw, like, you you have to throw at your best guys when it's crunch time, baby. Like, you're down by one goal, and you got... Marner and and Domi or something fucking cooking and you got them on the bench like no get them the fuck out there like you got to put your best options out there when like you only have a couple minutes left and Keith just hasn't been doing that that has been a you know a very consistent criticism with Sheldon Keith throughout his entire tenure as coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs is that he tends to get outcoached fairly consistently I think almost every playoff series he's been in People have called him out for getting out coached. Like, what were you thinking on that decision? What were you thinking here? Why'd you put this guy on this line when they, they've been playing so well? Stuff like that. Or, oh, let's randomly throw this guy on the top pairing defense after he's been out for seven months. Like, oh, great idea. So, uh, Craig Berube has been trending on Twitter. I don't know why I said Twitter that way, but it did. So, Craig Berube, he's trending. And, you know, Leaf fans out there, they're kind of making it known that, hey, we want Craig Berube, man. We need this guy to come in and get more out of our superstars to get a better defensive system put into place and to have a coach that has a track record of success. He won the Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues, if you if you might have forgotten about that. And he's a well-respected coach. He played the game, tough-as-nails player, and... You know, not that Sheldon Keefe played the game too, and he was fairly tough and gritty himself. But um, you know, I've always liked Sheldon Keefe. He he grabbed my heart uh, when I watched the Leafs documentary on Amazon, and I loved everything that he was saying. He was saying exactly what I felt needed to be said. But honestly, I feel like Sheldon Keefe is being told to like rear back. You know, don't say this kind of, don't say this, don't say that because it's going to hurt Marner's feelings or it's going to hurt Matthew's feelings. Well, I, I think mostly just Marner and they don't want that. How many times have we seen Sheldon Keefe like roll back his, his criticism of his superstars? Like a few times now. So I feel like Sheldon Keefe is kind of being held back a little bit from doing what he wants to do. 
And, you know, if they did happen to bring in a Craig Berube, which I don't think is going to happen this season, I don't think they're in a position to fire Sheldon Keefe this year unless they go on a really big losing streak and then maybe uh, they can they could bring in a Craig Berube. But I think a Craig Berube in the Leafs organization, I don't think he's going to get pushed around by Shanahan, by the higher-ups, or whoever the fuck is up there pulling the strings secretly while the other guys are just the puppets. But I think Barube would be like, nope, I won a Stanley Cup. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I just got fired, but eh, whatever. We don't care about that. But I like the idea of Craig Barube being a coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, I don't like the idea of thinking about Sheldon Keefe getting fired, but it has been a consistent problem for years now is that he just isn't, coaching up to snuff with other coaches in the league right now he's just getting out strategized he's getting out worked on the bench I'm still we're still seeing so many bench minors on a on a silly consistent basis like you guys are NHL professionals and you still can't do a proper line change fucking mind-blowing to me but you know um it's a little overblown like uh, I know no one likes to see the Leafs lose and when they do everyone goes crazy about it even myself I went on a little rant uh about you know William Nylander since he signed that extension he has not been playing good and that was my exact fear when this uh, the whole extension thing it was like the second he gets his money that motive that fire is turned down bitch it just is it's I don't care who you are. Money is the biggest motivator in the world right now. So if if you got your money, you got your security, then what am I fucking going out there doing 115% for every night? Now I'm happy. I'm safe. I'm good. I am good. So why should I just go crazy for a fucking Tuesday night game kind of deal? You know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying that Willie is turned it off and now that he's got his money he's gonna become a a 60 point player and just mediocre and mid and he'll go invisible for weeks and and then you know show a flash of brilliance just just enough to remind us like oh yeah yeah this is why we're paying him so much money and then he goes fucking disappearing again he hasn't done that yet it's just that is my fear when you give players all the money in the world, all the years, and you give them that security blanket, and it's a nice, warm, lovely security blanket, and yeah, you can get nice and tucked in and cozy, get a little sleepy, and forget you're playing a hockey game sometime. I don't know, but that's just what I've seen out of William Nylander since he signed the contract. John Tavares got benched, maybe the first time in his fucking career as a Toronto Maple Leaf getting benched, and yeah, man, it's just... um. Not been a great week for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sadly, I didn't get to watch a lot of hockey this week. They've just been working, and all the games have been going on. They never put games on fucking my days off anymore. Like, Wednesday night hockey, you, that used to be, like, the night. Wednesday nights. That's why I picked Wednesdays to have off, but now it's always, like, a Tuesday night game. And that fucking Edmonton game the other night blacked out. Of course, why would, why would the NHL have it available the two biggest most popular stars in the nhl why oh fuck we don't want people watching that go fuck yourself like god damn it like so stupid and this is why the nhl will never grow and continues to just just drop down in relevancy compared to the other sports like it's like when you when you compare the NHL to NBA and MLB, it's like, oh, you're so cute. Oh, you're, oh, that's a, f- oh, you guys are adorable, aren't you? Oh, you think you're a real league, and yeah, you know, I understand. I am a fan of this league, and it, it's honestly very embarrassing at times to justify being an NHL fan sometimes. But here we are. So yeah, the Leafs not doing good this week. I'm not really upset that they lost to the Edmonton Oilers last night. I mean, yeah, they blew a two-goal lead. Not ideal. They blew another lead uh, earlier in the week, I think, against Detroit. And, oh, my God, that's the other thing. Steve Dangle went fucking berserk about Detroit having to sit on an airplane and, you know, only have two hours to get ready for their game before the Leafs. Like, oh, come on now. Like, I know these NHL players are very very um systematic and they have their routines and if you fuck with their routine it'll throw their entire day off i'm kind of like that too i'm a creature of habit i brush my teeth at the same time every day i get in my car to go to work at the same time every day i make my breakfast at the same time every day i work out at the same time every day i get it but 
They're also professionals, and just because they didn't walk into the arena wearing their suits and looking all pretty, and they had to walk in in their sports outfits, fuck off. Like, oh my god, like, good on Detroit for winning that game. I don't, I don't think, like, Steve wants to shit all over the Leafs for losing that game. I think more praise should go to the Detroit Red Wings in winning that game. Like, you saw the reaction on the bench after they won that game. That was a big big deal for Detroit and they've been kind of heating up again too so I'm, I'm kind of happy for Detroit the Leafs like you know I'm not surprised that's the kind of games they lose all the time when it is a game that is so lined up for you to win it should be a guaranteed win they lose nine times out of ten that's just who they are that's their identity that's always been the Leafs identity just play down to your opponents you know, don't show up for big moments and just crumble and fall apart. That's the identity of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Not good. So yeah, that's kind of my current situation with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're probably going to make it into the playoffs and have a very unsuccessful run. I mean, that's just the way they're built. That's the identity that they have. And until that changes, and I see zero evidence on the ice. Yeah, they're a little bit more gritty this year, but the defense is lacking. The, the goaltending just... And I mean, Martin Jones, he's been playing great, but it's not there. The defensive system is not there. They're constant relying on, uh, you know, cheating for offense when they're down. They cannot hold a lead to save their lives. If they ever have a lead, very good chance they're going to blow it and lose or lose in overtime, something like that. So I'm seeing a lot of things in this team that just will not work in the playoffs and has not worked in the playoffs. Last year, they got extremely lucky against Tampa Bay, and in almost every metric, the Leafs lost that series. Tampa kicked their ass up and down that ice, but they got lucky and won for once. So will it happen again? Could it happen two times in a row to get them a lucky third round appearance? Maybe, but I'm not convinced. It doesn't look like anyone else is really convinced. Uh, it doesn't even seem like anyone in the league analytically is convinced with really anybody in the league right now. It seems like a wide open market for anyone to grab the Stanley Cup right now. It could be Dallas. It could be fucking the, 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 the Edmonton can win it. Fucking almost anyone right now that is going to make it into the playoffs has reasoning to win it and, you know, reasons why they may not win it. But that is my evidence from what I've witnessed with the Toronto Maple Leafs so far this year it's just not gonna work but I hope more than anything they prove me wrong but time and time and time and time again this 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 formula that they've been trying just doesn't work so see what happens when they get to the playoffs but that's 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 where we're at right now with the Toronto Maple Leafs not feeling great about it uh, there are a couple of other things we can touch on with the Toronto Maple Leafs that are semi-positive. Uh, Ilya Samsonov returned, and he played pretty damn solid in a loss versus Detroit. And I will also shout out that crowd in Detroit. Uh, the, I believe that was a Leaf game uh, at home. And when Sammy made that save at the end of the game, I saw that save. I stood up. I went crazy. I did the finger-licking good save where I... I don't worry about it. Um... That was awesome, and they're chanting, Sammy, Sammy, and then eight seconds later, the most Leaf thing happens, fucking saves your bacon, and then what does the Leafs do in front of him? They fucking collapse, and they Detroit comes down and scores on him eight seconds later or whatever, and just spoils the great moment. You can see it on his face, on poor Samsonov's face, just crushed. Like, no matter what I fucking do, it's never enough. I can save your bacon, make the biggest save that I've made as a Toronto Maple Leaf, and then within seconds, you ruin it. Ruined it. So, good job, Leafs, for that one. You you probably broke what could have been the resurgence of Ilya Samsonov. I, I You could just see it in his body language after losing that game. He was crushed. He was absolutely crushed and had every right to be. I mean, yes, the Leafs should have, could have, should have won that game, and they didn't. But I don't. it definitely wasn't on Samsonov. Absolutely not. I feel like he played... Very well in that game. He didn't get into the game last night against Edmonton, but you know it's it's a positive note. And also, Marner is the fastest Toronto Maple Leaf in history to get to 600 points. He did it in 548 games. So congratulations to Marner. Uh, he's been playing pretty well lately. Uh, still having a down season in his books. I think he's only on pace for about 85, 90 points, which. I, I know how crazy that sounds, but yeah, it's a great season for most players in the NHL, but for Marner, it's a little bit down. He's generally 
on that near 100 points, and he's still looking to crack that 100 points. He got to 99, but uh, as as it looks like right now, he's he's not going to hit 100. Matthews might if he continues to stay healthy, continues to put a fucking insane amount of goals all the time. This guy could hit 60 again this season. He could maybe even flirt with 70. We'll see how it goes for Matthews. He's doing well as well. So there you go. That's pretty neat. Let's talk about some other stuff. What else is pretty neat? Well, Edmonton. This one actually blew my mind a little bit. So Edmonton set a franchise record this week with a 10-game winning streak, which is now 11 games. And that's a franchise best. And I was like, wait, excuse me? You're telling me that the Gretzky, Messier, Curry, Coffee era Edmonton Oilers never won 10 games in a row? And no, they didn't. <laughs> they just didn't. I was like, what? That's fucking crazy. I, I would have expected them, the Gretzky-era Oilers, to have gone on a 30-game winning streak or something like that. But they didn't. I think the best was, like, eight games or something like that. It was a different NHL. Like, they didn't have overtime and, and shit like that. And Edmonton's last... um, They had a couple really close ones this week. You know, that Chicago game, that was... Oh, that was a that was a close one, and uh, Toronto not so much. They they did the Edmonton thing, went down early, came back and won in fashion. It's what they do, but yeah, that really blew my mind that um they hadn't won uh ten games in a row, even in the McDavid era, they hadn't done that yet. So now they have, and there you go. Well, that that streak continues. They beat the Leafs, and they're still rolling. So we'll see how much more games that the Edmonton Oilers can win. It is extremely hard to win that many games in a row in the NHL, especially this NHL that we're in now. Back then, it was hard back then too, but now it's it's even every team is competitive except for like San Jose and stuff, but most teams are going even San Jose, man. Like they can they can beat you if if you're not ready for it. So yeah, it's it's nothing short of extremely impressive. There were some other big winning streaks that I think the Seattle one stopped. Two of them stopped, and I think two are still going. But yeah, Edmonton, man, they're insane. What an insane season this has been for the Edmonton Oilers. Like, I had them dead and out, and and they're still only in a second wild or yeah, the first wild card spot. That just goes to show, like, they have gone on two huge winning streaks, and they're still only in the wild card spot. That's how far down Edmonton was, and it is nothing short of miraculous and fucking kind of insane that Edmonton is doing it, and, you know, kind of, I'm not going to say easily, but it almost seemed like it was there. Like, it almost kind of seemed like they were always capable of doing it. A lot of conversation now of, like, oh, is it, was it really on Woodcroft? Is, is, um... Fuck, I can't remember the new uh, Greg Cronin. I think that's the new coach's name. But people are like, I don't think it's fucking just Cronin that changed the team around. I think it's the fact that McDavid wasn't 100% to begin this year. And he had that injury earlier on in the season and then returned too fast from it to get into that uh, outdoor game. And yeah, he was probably playing at like, who knows, 60, 70% McDavid. And now it looks like he's... At least back in the 90s, if not 100%, he is flying out there. He's putting up crazy amount of points right now. He still isn't in the top five for scoring, but um, people are very convinced that, you know, give it a couple more weeks and he is, Connor McDavid is going to be up there in the conversation with McKinnon and Kucherov for leading in the league. Um, goddamn, man, McDavid has been insane, and Leon, he's doing good, but he's still not doing, like, quite what Leon normally does, maybe this guy is saving it for the back half, who knows, but regardless, Stuart Skinner, the Oilers have completely turned it around, and it's nothing short of freaking amazing. Speaking of amazing, well, there was a lot of pretty amazing things that happened this week, but I think one of the more amazing things that happened was the Terry Ryan story that happened this week. So Terry Ryan, a former first round pick back in like 1995 or something for with the Montreal Canadiens, never really cracked the NHL. You can look into the whole history behind why maybe he didn't quite make it to the NHL, but he's a legend in the AHL and, and all the other kind of leagues that some of them don't even exist anymore. But Terry Ryan, a absolute character when it comes to human beings. He is an amazing storyteller, a very dramatic, very emotional guy, wears his heart on his sleeve, an amazing player. I, I think any anyone that's, that's heard of Terry Ryan is probably like, oh, Terry Ryan. So what happened this week was the 
I don't know what league that was necessarily, but the Newfoundland Growlers were very short on players this week, so they gave a call to a local Terry Ryan of Newfoundland who was celebrating his birthday. A little bit high on mushrooms from what I can hear. There's a great interview on Spit and Chicklets. They they talked to him right after the fucking the day it happened. So they they got a really good interview with him talking about it. But yeah, he was in the middle of celebrating his birthday. Gets a call from the Growlers like, hey man, you think you can play for us? He is 48, 47, 40, 47 years old, I think. And he thought it was a joke. Turns out it wasn't. So he fucking sobers up, drinks a bunch of water, eats some sandwiches. And then the next day he is lacing up and playing with the Newfoundland Growlers. And he gets in a fucking fight too, man. Like he gets in a fight. I love the... I don't know what player it was, but there's two guys, and one guy just has his arms up. He's like, nope, I don't want anything to do with this. And then the other guy gets in a fight with Terry Ryan, and just outstanding, man. Absolutely outstanding. Terry Ryan also almost scored a goal in that game, and just a really beautiful moment. So he gets a big old interview after the game, and he goes off, man, like how important this was to him, because... He didn't get to, like, his daughter was in the crowd. She never seen him play professionally, so she got that. And it was just a great moment for him because he didn't get to finish off his career necessarily the way he wanted to. He still felt like he left something out there and had more to give, so came out, played for the growl. It was just a beautiful story. Really, really nice story. Highly recommend you go check out the... I think it's like a 30-minute, 25-30-minute interview on Chicklets. It was excellent, very touching, just a nice story. Terry Ryan, a great storyteller, so you know he fucking just lays it all down like you're reading it out of a goddamn storybook. Very well done. Super cool moment right there for Terry Ryan. Um, I don't think he's going to be continuing uh, his, his playing days with the Growlers right now, but still, just a really cool moment right there. And speaking of cool moments, we got one from Vancouver. Elias Petterson is the first NHL player with four straight game-winning goals. So that is fucking impressive. Talk about MVP caliber right there. This guy having an excellent season. And I know everyone's a little bit worried about how much money this guy is going to be making, but I think I think he'll be well worth the money. He is having an awesome season and four straight game-winning goals. It did get cut off at five he didn't get to the five game winning goals but four straight that is really impressive speaking of impressive we got florida's sam reinhardt also having an outstanding season but he set an all-time record for seven straight games with a special teams goal so he had six power play goals and one shorthanded goal so fucking impressive right there and I know the conversation around Sam Reinhardt is going to be his extension and how much money is Sam Reinhardt worth him I think more than Willie I mean you look at his career you look at what he's done in the past and what he's doing this season by far this is a career year very doubtful that he's going to have a season like this as good as this again I still think he's going to be a really good player after this season but Florida's got to be very, very careful, and I think they're, I think they know of this. I think they're in a great position to sign Reinhardt for a good, fair contract. They're they're living in Florida, nice weather, no tax. We're a fucking really good team right now, and you're a big part of that. So I think Reinhardt is going to get a substantially better deal than what the Leafs got with William Nylander. I feel like once that deal gets signed. Reinhardt's probably going to be like an 8.25, 8.5 million dollars, and all the Leaf fans are going to be like, "What the fuck? They're going to go nuts!" Including me, I'd be a little upset about it too. But Reinhardt having an unbelievable season right here. I mean, enjoy it, just enjoy it. You know, try not to think about all the money that he's going to get paid, but just enjoy it right now, Florida Panthers fans. So I wanted to double back on the. John Tortorella and Cutter Gauthier, Jamie Drysdale, whole trade thing. So shout out to John Tortorella because this week, um, I don't know if I touched on it or not last week when I talked about the trade, but there was a reporter that that put out a report saying that Kevin Hayes had something to do with Cutter Gauthier not wanting to be a Philadelphia Flyer, got into his ear, said this and that, or Tortorella is bad or whatever. Not that it's not true or anything, but Tortorella this week during a press conference, he's like, 
which one of you reporters wrote that? And the reporter's like, me, I did it. Please praise me. And John Tortorella just fucking just ruins this guy. He's like, why would you write something like that? Like, you're pathetic. Like, and he is, man. Like, Tortorella, thousand percent right. The, those are the kind of reports and reporters that need to fucking stop and, you know, spreading terrible rumors. And Tortorella just said everything that needed to be said. Like, you guys are affecting somebody's lives. You don't give a shit about that kind of thing. You're just looking for clicks and eyes. You'll say anything to get it. And, you know, hey, maybe the guy's true. Maybe he's right. But you don't have to write a fucking article about it or whatever. I mean, just relax, okay? But... Really just wanted to shout out Tortorella, man. Like, as the years go on, I think Tortorella, I I think he's building a Hall of Fame coaching career, and he may go down as one of the most beloved coaches of all time. Like, I know all the shit that has gone down, but whenever it boils down to, like, a player talking about Tortorella, 90% of them absolutely love this guy or wish that they grew up and had a coach like him. Someone that just does not, not necessarily, like, He's not just flat out mean for the sake of being mean. He is honest. You know exactly where you're standing with this guy. He is going to tell you what he thinks. And there is a ton of respect for that kind of attributes in a person these days. Like not a lot of people will tell you how it is, right? There's a lot of ways to sugarcoat it or kind of direct it in a different way. Tortorella is just blunt. He'll tell you what it is and he's he's not afraid of it and a lot of people just respect the guy and as the years go on, I just get more and more respect for Tortorella. There was a few years there where he was on the panel or whatever and it just kind of seemed like he would say stuff to get people riled up, but now I just I think he's like just awesome. I think Tortorella is awesome and just him absolutely ruining that reporter for saying that shit about Kevin Hayes. I mean, really commendable. So well done, John Tortorella. Okay, so let's spend some time here with the Vegas Golden Knights, who have been kind of fighting it a little bit here after an incredible start to the season. I mean, they also finished off last year the best way that you can as the Stanley Cup champions, and they started off the season probably better than any Stanley Cup winner ever has. They had an incredible record out of the gate, everyone playing really good. But now, man, the injuries on the Vegas Golden Knights has gotten to an insane level. Let me just list off the current amount of injuries that they have. Robin Leonard, long-term injured reserve for a hip. William Carlson, injured reserve, lower body since January 17th. Ben Hutton, upper body, January 17th. Shea Theodore, long-term injured reserve, upper body, January 17th. William Carrier, injured reserve, upper body, January 19th. Jack Eichel, injured reserve, undisclosed. Aiden Hill, injured reserve, undisclosed. Yuri Patera, goaltender, day-to-day. Daniel Miromanov, defenseman, injured reserve, long-term. Tobias Bjornfort, injured reserve. That is an insane amount of injuries. Robin Leonard, we can kind of cross that one out. He, he hasn't played for quite some time. But William Carlson, top six player. Shea Theodore. Best defenseman on their team, Jack Eichel, top center on their team. Aiden Hill, Stanley Cup winning goaltender. I mean, yeah, the, uh, Vegas is going through some huge injury problems right now. And, you know, they're they're not losing a whole bunch, but they definitely have been losing more than people would like to. They definitely have been fighting it here in January, a little bit there at the end of December as well. They had a four-game losing streak there, another two losses to kick off January, and they've basically kind of been doing a win-one, lose-one situation, which, I mean, honestly, they can play NHL 500 with uh, the, the fantastic start to the season. They could play NHL 500 and still more than likely make it into the playoffs, and I think it's safe to say that you know, they're going to start getting some of these injured players back, and, and Vegas is going to start getting it going again. Now, something that Vegas has always had is excellent defense and goaltending. That is still very relevant this season. They're eighth in the league so right now, uh, goals against per game at 2.70. But kind of everything else around the team is kind of mid. Goals four per game, they're 18th. Power play, 17th. And the penalty kill, 16th. So... Nothing is detrimentally bad yet, but there's definitely room for improvement. But we all know that 
Vegas's strength is in their defense, and yeah, so they can still play a lot of good defense, even with a lot of their better defensive players out right now. If they lose Mark Stone, they can be in some serious trouble, but uh, as it is right now, Mark Stone's still playing, and he's playing really good. He's having a great season, 44 points in 44 games. But it is, it's not like Vegas is new to injuries, even back to their first season where they, had, they used 47 different goaltenders and they were completely fine. This is one of the identities of the Vegas Golden Knights. They're a huge rally team. They, they rally around the injuries and they just, they just get it done, man. It, it's player by committee. They get another guy. He comes up. He gets the job done for them. So I think they'll be able to make it through. I, I don't fear that Vegas is going to slip way down and out of the playoffs or anything but they may not end end the season being first in the division so we'll see where that goes with Vegas we'll keep our eye on them hopefully the injuries can kind of calm the fuck down for a second and Vegas can get going speaking of calming down I think the Tampa Bay Lightning fans can calm down a little bit with the Steven Stamkos situation because the GM came out this week and said we are not trading Steven Stamkos there you go. But does that also doesn't mean that you didn't say that you're re-signing him. So that could also just mean that you're letting Steven Stamkos walk. So that 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 sentence doesn't hold an incredible amount of power, but it is something. So there was at least an addressing of that. So that's pretty good, but Something about Steven Stamkos really, uh, something was brought to my attention this week about Steven Stamkos, and that was his plus minus right now. So let's just take a look at Steven Stamkos' season, 41 games, 18 goals, 23 assists, 41 points. Very, very nice right there. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. That is a point of game player. He's older, and he's still getting it done. Now, the thing that is really really just eye-popping about that is that he is a minus 20 a minus 20 that is the worst on the team and by uh it's almost not really close there's uh the next closest is a minus 17 Nicholas Paul and a minus 15 is Mikhail Sergachev so I mean Tampa's been having a really fucking odd year uh, especially for Tampa's sake right like they are fifth in the Atlantic right now they're not in a playoff spot Vasilevsky is back and he is not playing like Vasilevsky's right now got 21 games 12 wins nine losses a 2.86 goals against and an 898 save percentage a sub 900 save percentage for Andre Vasilevsky I I I slapped myself. Is that right? Am I awake right now? Is that happening? Apparently, yes, that is happening, everybody. Vasilevsky, under 900 save percentage. He's got a shutout. But, I mean, you can't... I know everybody expected, like, oh, once they get Vasilevsky's back, it's all going to turn around immediately. They're going to win every game for the rest of the year, and Bob's your uncle. But not so much. I think maybe they rushed Vasilevsky back a little bit, got nervous with the uh, workload that Johansson, the goaltender that they had, was maybe getting a little bit overworked, and... Vasilevsky probably said, yeah, I'm good enough, bro. And maybe he wasn't because you're looking at those numbers, not Vasilevsky numbers at all. Now, thankfully, Kucherov is is very much putting up Kucherov numbers. 43 games, he's got 72 points, absolutely killing it. But he's a minus three. Now, a minus three isn't that bad, but when you got 72 points, what the fuck? You should not be a minus, bro. So, the top line of Tampa Bay, there, there is definitely even the top six of Tampa Bay. Like, all these guys are minuses. Kucherov, Braden Point, Stamkos, Hedman, Hagel, like, Nicholas Paul, Mikhail Sergachev, Anthony Sorelli, Darren Hadish. Like, all these guys are very, very, a lot of minuses. There are barely any pluses on this team. And when they, they're the pluses, they're, they're like the top six defensemen, bottom, bottom players. So... Very weird uh, situation going on with Tampa Bay. We look at their goals four per game. They're doing good there. They're 13th. Goals against is where they're struggling. They're 26th in the league right now at a 3.39 goals against right now. So they're letting in more than they're scoring just by a little bit. But that is definitely a recipe for not winning. But they're killing it on the power play. And I feel like a lot of that is Kucherov. They're first in the league at a 29.5% power play. And their penalty kill is mid. 14th, 80%. Not bad, not amazing or anything. But yeah, they got to figure out the 
They got to start playing some defense right here. Now, I don't know if they need to sacrifice a little bit of that offense to start getting some better defense. I don't know. Like, I know Mikhail Sergachev is kind of having a bit of a struggle of a season compared to last year. Hedman's been back to Hedman form. Last year was a bit of a downer. This season, back to form, but he is a minus four, which that's not very Hedman-like, but... Yeah, man, it might just be years of being a Stanley Cup playoff team and losing depth and losing draft picks and losing things for big runs. And, you know, the Tanner Janot trade and giving up almost everything for that guy. And speaking of Tanner Janot, he's hurt right now. He's played 41 games, 6 goals, 6 assists, 12 points, minus 11. Don't think that trade was very much so worth it. So Tampa Bay right now fighting it, fighting it, and... um. It's really weird to see them fighting it this way. I, I I don't know if they're going to be able to pull out of it, man. Like, the Atlantic is a tough division, and it's I don't know. Like, even like with Vasil like Vasilevsky is going to have to start playing a little bit better, which is not something I think I ever thought would come out of my mouth. But yeah, the, the Tampa Bay they got to start playing better defense in front of in front of him, and yeah, man, they got to turn it around. They're in the second wild card right now, but you got. Pittsburgh right behind them. They got games in hand. Washington's behind them. Games in hand. Islanders are kind of falling off, and New Jersey's kind of falling off. So Tampa's got an opportunity, but uh, and they've been playing well lately. They've won three in a row. They've won four of the last five. And, uh, yeah, it's not like they're dead, but they're not playing the way that Tampa usually does. They got to tighten up that defense. If they can do that, they should be just fine and should be able to pass Detroit. Will they crack into that? Uh, top three in the Atlantic. I can honestly see Toronto falling down because they've been playing like shit lately. Uh, Florida and Boston doing pretty well. So I think uh, I, there is an opportunity for Tampa to get back up in there, but they, they got to get that defense in check. So hopefully they can get that in check. We'll keep our eye out on the Tampa Bay Lightning. And we got our eyes on Corey Perry, who has been cleared to return to the NHL. So now the question is, Where's he going? A lot of people are speculating Toronto, but I don't think he's coming to Toronto uh, strictly for the fact of the the media circus that would be around him if he came to Toronto or even any Canadian market. You know, everyone's going to ask him, what'd you do? What'd you do? What'd you do? Did you fuck Connor Bedard's mom? Did you? Did you? Did you? I mean, no. Just so I think Corey Perry is going to want to go somewhere quiet. Probably go to the quietest contending team a lot of people say florida or even tampa go back to tampa try that i think florida florida sounds right to me i mean you got the no state taxes they're already a pretty gritty team you add in Corey perry for even more grit they're gonna be a fucking nightmare to deal with in the playoffs with bennett and cousins and can you imagine Corey perry as well like oh oh my god and they trade and get back gudis like oh my god yeah so if, if I had to guess where Corey Perry's going, I would say the Florida Panthers. Really strong-looking team right now. That's the kind of guy that you add in. You'll be able to get him dirt cheap. Corey Perry's not going to be making the $4 million anymore that he was. Probably signed for league minimum, and he's going to want to try and get that fucking Stanley Cup. He doesn't want to be in the finals and lose anymore. He wants to go to the finals and win. So... I think Florida would make a lot of sense for him to go there. Would I would I like for him to sign with Toronto? Absolutely. I just I think the media is going to scare him off. So I don't think he's coming to Toronto, but I would love it. I would absolutely love it. So this week we had a couple of pretty juicy interesting names enter onto the trade block this week. So we'll start with the Anaheim Ducks and Trevor Zegris. Very interesting name. And a name that I think is going to draw a crazy amount of interest. Trevor Zegras, highly skilled forward. But I can honestly, I understand why Anaheim might be in the market to shop this guy. So they just brought in Cutter Gauthier. Very highly touted forward prospect. They got Leo Carlson. They got Troy Terry. They got other guys, right? And it seems like Zegras has always kind of been... I don't know, maybe on a different page than the Anaheim Ducks. It kind of seems like Zegris is maybe building up his own brand, doing his own thing. Maybe maybe not of the right mindset that the Anaheim Ducks are looking for. Now, this is purely speculation on my part, okay? Now, I just think maybe they're like, 
I think they're a little bit disappointed, honestly. Uh, I mean, we all know that this season for Zegers has been a bit of a disaster. He's been battling injuries. He has not been putting up points the beginning of the year. I think he had no points in like the first 12 games or something. Really rough start. Started to get it going a little bit, and now he's hurt again. So, yeah, I can definitely see why maybe uh, they have some interest there in moving Zegers. I think they have some extra forwards that and Zegers, you know, obviously is going to have a ton, a ton of interest. It's not a bad contract that he's on. I just think it's maybe Anaheim's going to know Zegers better than anybody. They he's in the organization. They see him play more than anyone. So there's probably something there that they don't like. I, I think it's just the fact that he's, he's definitely not a 200 foot player. He's very offensively minded, which is great. But Anaheim, I think that in their long-term goals, they're looking at their prospects. They're looking at the way that this team is is coming up. And they got big things planned, I imagine, for their franchise. And Zegris may be the type of player that they could trade off, get a ton of assets for, get something maybe that they're really looking for. They might have someone in mind already. And Zegris could be someone that they're willing to give up and get the guy that they want so very interesting that that name is out there I I wouldn't have expected that you know to be out there like that but there you go so where do you think uh, a trade what a trade for Trevor Zegers is going to look like is it now I, I think he's still a young very high potential forward I don't I don't think he's quite hit his ceiling just yet and uh clearly having a down season this year I think he'll bounce back just fine next season but is he going to be wearing an Anaheim Ducks jersey? That's that's going to be the question. Where could he go? Would a team like Seattle be interested in him to try and bring in a little more of that offense? But they kind of seem like a team that likes two-way players that can do both sides of the game. But can you imagine a Trevor Zegers in Edmonton or something? That would be a lot of fun with, uh, I don't know, maybe like an Evander Kane for Trevor Zegers bring in a highly skilled uh, forward to play with McDavid. That could be a ton of fun. That's just speculation, though. Just curious. Um, that was just a name. I was like, huh, that, that's a hell of a name to be out there right now. So I know for a fact if I if Trevor Zegers' name was was out there for available, availability in, in the video game, I'd be going after that guy immediately. I'm like, yep, I'll take that. Thank you very much. And off we go. Now, the other name that entered onto the trading block this this week was Elvis Merzlikens. Now, not the biggest name, and he has not had uh, a good good season in a couple of years now. He's had some tragedy. A friend passed away, and he's kind of kind of hasn't found his game since that that terrible thing happened. But um, he it seems like uh, Columbus and he have identified a change of scenery. Is, is probably the best move right now for both parties. Merzlikens is making a lot of money, and he has term on that contract, $5 million plus million for, I think, two more years after this season. So not ideal. That is the, the kind of deal that we've seen buried in the AHL with Jack Campbell, Petter, or Peterson in uh, Phil, or Philadelphia, and um, uh, uh, Samsonov went down as well. So... Is is Merzlikens a tradable asset? I don't know. I think a team would have to get extremely desperate and to try and uh, get Merzlikens in there. There would definitely have to be retention. Is Columbus really wanting to do that? I mean, I don't think any team is really wanting to do that. But if you're going to move them, I feel like you're probably going to have to. There's not really going to be many much options there. I feel like there's other goaltenders maybe available and it's not cheap so that's another question is like what would Columbus even get for Merz Lickens like you're definitely gonna have to retain you may even have to go through a third party so is Columbus even going to get anything out of a Merz Lickens trade or are they just going to try and relieve that cap space which in that of itself is an asset cap space is a huge asset so that is going to be a really interesting one now there are some desperate teams out there for goaltending, like maybe a Carolina, maybe an Edmonton, maybe Colorado, other teams, right? So, wondering what you think a Merzlikens trade would look like for Columbus. Would it be, would anything be coming back for Columbus, or would it just be a straight up cap dump for someone? And and hopefully Merzlikens turns it around because at one point 
I thought he was going to be the next, one of the next great goaltenders in the league, and it just didn't really come around. It just didn't happen, which sucks. And again, this is kind of why it's a huge risky gamble when you're giving goaltenders contracts that are long, because a goalie can fucking turn into a pumpkin overnight, and he could become a Vesna candidate overnight as well. Look at Connor Ingram. No one even knew about this guy, barely, and now he's one of the best goaltenders in the league this year, so... Who knows what happens to him next year? Maybe he's a pumpkin again. Maybe he's a Vesna winner next year. I don't know with Connor Ingram, but Merzlikens' future is up in the air right now as well. He had an interview where he he said straight up, he's like, I'm mad. Like, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm not happy. I'm not playing. He's been getting benched a lot. He doesn't. I don't even think he's the starting goaltender there anymore. It seems they have given that to Tarasov, I think his name is. Tarasov and Martin, uh, Spencer Martin. So, yeah, Columbus, not a good year. Another rough one for poor Mers Lickens. I love that guy. One of the best names in the league. So I hope he lands on his feet somewhere. But who knows where that's going to be. Going to be very interesting. Speaking of very interesting, let's take a look now at the NHL All-Star voting. So that's done now. And it looks like the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Vancouver Canucks fans came out in droves uh, with all the votes. So the guys that just got voted in got Jeremy Swayman of Boston. Alexander Gorgiev of Colorado, Kale McCarr of Colorado, Leon Dreisaitl, Edmonton, Bobrovsky, Florida, Marner, Toronto, Nylander, Toronto, Riley, Toronto, so there's your Leafs, and here comes the, the Vancouver Canuck train, Brock Besser, Vancouver, Demko, Vancouver, JT Miller, Vancouver, and Elias Pedersen, Vancouver, so there's your voted in guys, I don't really have any problem with any of those names, I think all those guys right there are legitimate NHL All-Stars. Now for the rest of them. So we'll go through all the names here and let's just let's just go with a yes or a no uh, for who should and shouldn't be here. No offense, these are all incredible hockey players, but there are definitely a lot of snubs and I am of the belief that I don't think every single team should get represented. I think you should just have the best of the best of the best. If you got eight Edmonton Oilers players, so be it. That's just how good their team is. But let's go through the list. Frank Toronto, great season, but a no. Clayton Keller, yes. I think he is an NHL All-Star. He just plays for Arizona. David Pasternak, yes. Jeremy Swayman, yes. Rasmus Dahlin, Borderline, yes. Elias Lindholm, no. Sebastian Ajo, yes. Connor Bedard, yes. Alexander Gorgiev, ah. I'll go borderline, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. Nathan McKinnon, no. I'm just kidding. Yes, absolutely. Nathan McKinnon. Kale McCarr, yes. Boone Jenner, no. Jake Ottinger, borderline. Alex DeBrincat, borderline, maybe, uh, yeah, I'll go with a yeah, just because of that hot start. Leon Dreisaitl, absolutely. Connor McDavid, yes. Sergei Bobrovsky, this season, yes. Sam Reinhart, yes. Cam Talbot, no. Kirill Kaprizov, yes. Nick Suzuki, yes. I think Nick Suzuki is an unbelievable player. Philip Forsberg, yes. Jack Hughes, yes. Matthew Barzell, yes. Igor Shesterkin, okay. Brady Kachuk, Maybe not this season, but name recognition-wise, I'll, 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 I'll accept it. Travis Konechny, yeah, he's been fucking excellent for years now. Sidney Crosby, absolutely. Thomas Hurdle, not this season. Oliver Bjorkstrand, no. Robert Thomas, mm, borderline, I'll give him... I'll give him a pass. Sure, why not? Nikita Kucherov, yeah. Marner, yes. Matthews, yes. Nylander, yes. Morgan Riley, fine. Brock Besser, yes. Thatcher Demko, yes. Quinn Hughes, yes. JT Miller, yes. Elias Pedersen, yes. Jack Eichel, yes. Tom Wilson, no. Connor Hellebuck, yes. So that's that's what I think of the uh, your current All-Stars. There are definitely some guys left off. Uh, I can't bring up a name right now that I can think of off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, I, I wish they would, like, I know it's great to have one player represented, but, like, honestly, like, a Boone Jenner, no offense to the guy, but the guy has never been even fucking close to an all-star. I'm sorry. It's just, he just isn't. I mean, it's just, Columbus doesn't have all-stars on their team, but it's a good story that Boone Jenner's getting there. He's the captain. He's probably a great fucking guy, but all-star? I don't think so, man. Like, next to Kale, Kale McCarr. Like, come on now. All right, but... 
there's your all-star voting, and I think that is all for me for this episode today. I'm thinking when, uh, whenever we get to that all-star break, that's probably when I'm going to do like my mid-season awards and mid-season report cards, and we'll go through all the teams and stuff. But right now, there's still enough news going out that I don't need to do that this week. So maybe once the all-star break goes down, we'll, we'll save that for that week. But there you go, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We're having another excellent January for the GX Plus cast. Thank you so much for downloading and sharing and talking about the podcast thank you so much for that that's awesome of you if you rate if you rate review the podcast another thank you for that as well and if you'd like to watch these episodes i upload all of the episodes to the gx plus cast youtube channel so you can go over there watch them great place to leave a comment if you have any questions about wrestling video games hockey just general podcast questions whatever send them on in i would love to read your question out live on the podcast and and yeah that would be a lot of fun so send in questions please and thank you i would love that there's an email address down there as well you can follow on twitter where i put up Uh, extra information of what might be coming or if there's any schedule changes anything like that twitter is the place to find out all that information there you go everybody hopefully you're having a good week and everything it is cold as fuck in canada right now it's like minus eight thousand outside people are flash freezing on the streets in canada so stay inside stay warm be safe be good and we will be back again with some more gx plus cast (laughs) 